It's another edition of the Deep Slam Podcast. I'm your host, DP Sidhu, with another podcast for you loaded up with interviews. We've got Demarius Thomas this week. It's the first time I had him in studio since he signed with the Texans. Obviously, we talked to him here and there in the locker room and at the podium, but got a nice long sit-down with him. And then Caroline Can, team reporter with the Indianapolis Colts, also joins us to talk about the Colts and what their odds are looking like for the remainder of the season as they try to get a playoff berth now with the Titans losing or the Titans winning I should say on Thursday night, that gets a little bit murkier for the Colts. And uh, I know everyone was cheering for the Jags in that Thursday night game, but they could not pull it off. And so the Texans, of course, they cannot clinch the division this Sunday with a win. It may have to go another week or two, depending on how things shake out in the AFC South. The Houston Texans spend countless hours prepping for game day. That's why they rely on Bose Quiet Comfort 35 headphones, too, to block out distractions and focus on what matters most. That's important to do in a nine-game win streak, uh, blocking out distractions. So maybe try some QC35 wireless headphones, too, to block out your distractions. You can learn more at Bose.com slash Texans. Bose, the exclusive sound of the Houston Texans. And then, of course, Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers, 12 locations with three new ones opening soon. They've got a custom food truck that's designed to bring you steak burgers, fries, and frozen custard to your event. Freddy's Original Double Steak Burger is a real game changer. All right, let's get into the podcast. Demarius Thomas, I went back and I reread a piece that he he wrote for Players' Tribune about his path to the NFL. And he referenced a little bit in the interview about his mother and his grandmother going to jail very early on in his life. I think he was seven years old. Uh, but when you listen to, to just how he carries himself, we, we talked about this as well, how he's so even keel. It doesn't get too up, doesn't get too down. I think you get a really good sense of his personality. And, you know, as a veteran in the league, nine years in the NFL, he's just just the epitome of professionalism. But I think there's some things about him that I learned. I think you're going to learn as well the fact that DeAndre Hopkins learned some stuff from Demarius as far as his route running is concerned. And then what it was like those first few weeks, he he hung out with Deshaun Watson quite a bit, but the two of them actually were in communications when the Texans were in the midst of that losing streak. Deshaun reached out to Demarius. They have a little bit of a mentor-mentee relationship going on there. So Demarius gets into that. And uh, you know what? We're not going to waste any more time. Here's Demarius Thomas on the Deep Slant Podcast. The first time I've had you in studio. How's it going today, Demarius? I'm great. How you doing? I'm doing good. You've been here for a little over a month. I feel like early on everyone talked about how you're going to fit in with the offense, moving to Houston. But now it's it's been about a month. So where do you feel like you're at as far as the offense and getting settled in and, and, and all that stuff? I could say uh, this week probably is my most comfortable uh, week, you know, going into the game. Um, game planning. I was telling one of the guys just a while ago, I was perfect on the walkthrough. I think that was my first time since I've been here. So, you know, it's it's been great. You know, getting uh getting on the trying to get on the same page with Deshaun. You know, that's gonna take reps, but uh, so far so good. Well, you had the two touchdown game against Tennessee. You looked pretty comfortable in that game. <laughs> what was that like? That's your first home game in Houston. It was obviously an emotional night because first game without Bob McNair. And then that was your first touchdown catch as a, as a Texan. Texas, it was your yeah. first home game. Uh, what did that mean to you personally at this point in your career? Well, like you said, you know, it was an emotional day. Um, I haven't been here, you know, my whole career. But you just, you know, hearing guys talk about Mr. McNair, um, of course, it was emotional for him and his family. You know, everybody wanted to go out and get the win for him. But also, you know, I was just excited. I felt part of the team. I felt home, you know, scoring a touchdown finally, um, two at that, first home game. So, you know, it was exciting for me. It was it was fun. And, you know, we got the W. That's all that really matters. So, you know, and the guys done 
brought me and uh, done, done brought me in like I'm like I'm part of the team. So you know now I walk around like I've been here for a while. <laughs> you got two touchdowns <laughs> under your belt. That's pretty good. I feel like when you first got here, first of all, the fans were super excited as it was. But uh, early on, Bill O'Brien said that they really wanted to get you more involved in the offense. And I know after that first game at Denver, you had a couple of games where that he had said it, Deshaun had said it. What was the biggest challenge for you early on? The biggest challenge I think is was learning the playbook and going back to Denver and play. You know, I've been in Denver eight and a half, nine years. Um, the whole week was an emotional week, but I wanted to play to help the team. You know, I I was telling the guys I don't want to come in and, you know, y'all try to force me more than what I don't know. I just want to be able to come in and, you know, take some off hop, take some off everybody else, um, do my part. You know, the first game wasn't my best because it was, you know, three days trying to learn enough to be able to play. So it was weekend. Every week is is this different for me. It's basically the same goal is going out and doing my best to help the squad if that's blocking, catching the ball, or whatever. I want to ask you if you feel relieved, I should say, that that game is sort of you can check it off oh. your list. You've already done your I've gone back to Denver for the first time. Some guys have to wait years to do it. Lamar Miller just played Miami for the first time since he's been here, but you sort of checked it off your list really fast. Checked it off real fast. Uh, super excited that it was over because it was an emotional week for sure. Our first grading kind of got me mentally tired, but now it's like uh, I'm good. You know, energy's good, happy, um, excited to be here. I look forward to coming to work each and every day. So, um, you know, I just want to keep building and, and get better and better each week in and out. You get to work with Deshaun Watson, and I know I've talked to you a little bit about Deshaun. You were a big fan of his at Clemson. <laughs> you knew him actually before you got here. What's he like now that you get to be teammates with him? What's, you know, it's like, what's he like? I don't have, you know, a couple dinners with him. You know, I used to watch him when he was in college. You know, I was a ACC guy, so I was always with Clemson. You know, always with Clemson, watching his game, watching him grow as a as, as a younger player, and um, even even last year and this year, you know, being on his team this year, you know, I I try to go to his house when I can, and don't you try to get on the same page because him and D D Hopper like you know they oh they're they, like one mind together they, yeah, they, aren't they? They easy yeah, and yeah. I'm just trying to get, you know, I'm trying to be you know similar to a part of that because you know when it's really like it's like every game is very important right now. It's like a championship game. So, you know, you, I want to go into the game, you know, kind of being just like that to help the squad out. So what's that like, dinner at Deshaun's house, going over film? I mean, you're, the, cool. you're cool. like the new guy, but yeah, he's the new guy. <laughs> I'm like the rookie. You're like, like the, rookie the rookie now. But uh, it's cool. You know, you learning. You know, it's like I'm learning from him, the, the younger guy, uh, just off the base of offense, but off, off the base of the offense and what he's thinking when, you know, we see certain coverages or see certain leverage of, as a corner. You know, I'm trying to think like him so we can gel together. That's how me and Peyton used to be, so I'm doing whatever I got to do to be just like that with Deshaun. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins said one of the things that impressed him most about you was your route tree. He said he actually used to study some of your routes so <laughs> yeah. that he could get better at his. Does that surprise you? He told me. He told me when they came to Denver it was this one route that he that, that I was running, and he run it all the time now. Like, really? It's one of his best routes. But he run good routes and everything. You know, he, he can run whatever route. You just throw the ball around him. He's going to make a play. That's one thing about him. But, you know, when he got here, he said that to me. And I, I had no idea. Because I admire his game, too. You know, everybody. Sure. I admire his game also. So, you know, that was that was good to have, you know, me and him. And we still, you know, we we tell each other, you know, like, if he got to do something better, I'm going to be on him. 
Really? You guys push each other like that? What's he like? I'm sure you've watched him from afar when you were in Denver, but now that you're with him, what's he like? Is he different than what you envisioned him to be? You know, I thought it was like a guy that's, you know, just don't bother nobody, just off to himself. But once I got here, I was like, oh, he totally, like, he kind of like me. He's pretty vocal, isn't he? Yeah, he he is. Yeah. Yeah, he is. DeAndre, he said that it's really cool to see you have the success that you had. You you won a Super Bowl, and you've also had bad seasons too. Mm-hmm. He said that you're you're very professional. You don't go too up or down. You know, have you always been like that? Always, always. You're always pretty even keel. Always pretty even keel. You gotta be. You gotta be. I feel like you gotta be because you know nothing is never gonna be perfect, and nobody is is perfect. So you, you go out and you try to give your best each week in and week out. Everybody's a professional in this game. You know, you banged up sometimes. You're, you you just can't do it sometimes. But, you know, as long as you're giving it your all and you know you're doing that and you're preparing the best, you know, you can deal with it. So it's not like where I'm going to go to work and I'm super happy or like I'm super mad because of something happened. You know, you got to come to the work the same way every each and every day, same kill because, you know, it's, 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 it's a job. It's something you love to do. Um. <laughs> it's, I, it's hard to say, but it's like, you know, you got people around you and people are going to expect different or expect something out you. And I feel like, you know, I come to work, I'm going to do it this way all the time. You know, no matter if I got problems with the family at home, but this is my job. I'm going to come do it the right way every week and the same way every week. Because, you know, every I don't feel like everybody can and everybody can't have that same even even kill. And uh, that's one of the things that's helped my game. I think I think I definitely see that in you. I also see uh, your hard work, your work ethic. I think that's something a lot of guys have talked about. Your teammates have talked about it. The coaches have talked about it. Uh, where do you think you got that sense of work ethic from? I know John Perry had talked about it, even like when when you were here for the bye, you wanted to come back a little bit early. <laughs> you wanted to go over some things with him. He said he was so impressed with how important it was for you to get up to speed as quickly as possible. Where did where did that sense of work come from? You know, I think it came from when I was a kid. You know, I used to pick peas and pull corn and a lot of stuff before my mom and granny went to prison. And I always told my mother and my pops, whatever I do, I'm going to stick to it and I'm going to do it the right way. You know, everybody, we don't we don't know what's the right way to a lot of stuff, but, you know, I think and I ask questions to try to figure out what's the right way. And so that's what I do. You know, I'm going to work hard. You know, they say work hard. You work hard. I do what's going to help me in my game. I ask questions. I meet with J.P., to be on top John of Perry. Th- John Perry, yeah, yes. John Perry. I got you. To be on top of things, you know, leading up to that week. You know, I don't want to be the guy that we're going through walk to walk through and I have a mental error just because I've been here three weeks. You know, that's not an excuse. You know, you, you you're a professional. You should get on track. So that's what I do. I think it pays off. You know, the work you put in will eventually pays off in some area. You know, you might you might want to go out and have a hundred yards but it might not pay off, but you might have two big blocks to set somebody free. And I think that all is coming to play. It's all about, you know, it's one goal. You want 11 people to get on that same goal to get that one one goal. And when the offense, defense, and special team come together, you know, that one goal is to get the Super Bowl, a championship. So I'm doing my part to be a that 11, I want to be that one, and everybody else doing the same. So It's the ultimate team and, sport, football. Yes, ma'am. You, you had said – I think pretty soon after you got here, you said this is a winning locker room. And I feel like with you and a lot of the guys, Tyron Matthew, Deshaun, that you guys have all gone through, you referenced your mom and your grandmother, uh, you know, and you've, it's well documented, everything you've gone through. But 
guys have gone through their hardships and they've come out of it and it's how they deal with it mm-hmm. and how they're so even keel and, and nothing really gets them down after that. Wins are wins, losses are losses. It, it seems like that's sort of the general attitude in this locker room. Would you say that that's why that's, you thought it was a winning? That's, winning yeah, group? that's one of the biggest things. That in that you don't see nobody pointing out fingers to nobody. You know, nobody is per- like I said, nobody's perfect. Sometimes people get in their feelings when something ain't going right, you know. Usually around the league, you say receivers are prima donnas. They always want the ball. You know, you can't. It's like you want the ball, but it got to work between the offensive line, the quarterback, the running back. It all work in the chains together. So you can't be mad at certain per- people or, you know, getting angry about certain things. You can you can get you – can, I feel like you can get mad sometimes, but you just got to know what to do and how to do it. And um, that's been me my whole career is just – even kill because this is this sport is just hard for everybody. You know, it's hard for the coaches, it's hard for the players, it's hard to go out and compete against everybody. On so um, that's what it's been. You mentioned being even keel and not letting it get to your head or anything. And I was going to ask you about nine wins in a row. Obviously, this season is not turning <laughs> out the way you expected in camp. You probably didn't expect to be here. You probably didn't expect to be on a team that's won nine in a row, especially after the way it started. I know you weren't here for the losses, but Bill O'Brien's talked about not taking the cheese. And I feel like you're one of those guys that would get it where you don't let it get to your head, mm-hmm. the nine wins. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a bigger goal in sight. And I think for one of the veteran players like you, you've, you've probably dealt with that. But is that a hard lesson to teach the younger players moving it, it, forward? It's kind of hard because it's a big accomplishment. It's hard to win football games. It's hard to not get excited about nine in a row. It's hard. It's super hard because it's hard to win football games. In the exactly. league. I don't care who you are. You know, any weekend, in and out, you can get a win or W. And, uh, Going off of just zero oh, and three, it was. I was like, and I actually had spoke to Deshaun when there was zero oh, and three. Oh, when you were still in Denver. Uh huh. Uh huh. And it was like crazy, but it was like, I just said, stick with it, bro. Just, just keep playing. Just that's really good advice. Job. Yeah. And just stick with. Just gotta. Just got to because everything is not gonna be even killing the way you want. I don't care what nobody say. You know, Tom Brady done had his ups and downs. That's true. But he still keep it even keel, I feel like. I don't know. I, I never played with him. I never, you know, been in the same You had some good home. battles, though, yeah, with them. And with then him. you had Peyton Manning there, too, who's like the king of even keel, yeah, I would he say. he is the king of even keel. <laughs> but, like, to win nine in a row and to continuously to just keep going and only getting better, the team is having the, the team haven't played their best ball, Steve, neither, you know, from a three phase, from defense, offense, special teams. We still haven't done that, but um, how about for it's, yourself? It's do you how how do you feel like you can get better through the rest of the season? How can I get better? Yeah, it's just knowing the playbook. Uh, like it was, I've been here nine years instead of in Denver. Like just coming up and just knowing what I got on the on the go, and then helping the younger guys or you know guys that's that's haven't been in this position because there's a lot of guys that haven't been in playoff football or having a chance to be in playoff football. And, I'm, and like, it's it's totally different. It's only take one play to check. It's take one play in any game, but when playoff come, it, it's just <laughs> special team, one play, defense, one play, offense, one play. It's a lot of things that come with it. So I just want to be around to help in those situations. I don't miss Super Bowl twice, but it really kind of don't mean nothing, I would say. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. <laughs> I, think, I, I think, think I'm wrong. I think your experience might come in handy. Because yeah, I think so too because it, you've it, been, you've I don't been notice, there. I don't notice a couple of things as I've been here. You know, I don't notice a couple of things, and I, you know, I hear stuff. So you know, I feel I feel good about that. But the locker room is 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 great. 
guys don't point each other. They play hard. You know, and I, I knew I knew we had a good team when we had won a game and then guys was mad at themselves mm. about not playing their best for the squad. That's a sign of a good team. That's a sign of a good team. You know, it still ain't gonna be easy though. It still ain't gonna be easy. But uh this team this team is a good team. Well, we're so excited to have you, Demarius, and hopefully lots more as far as the wins go through the rest of the year. Thanks so much, Demarius. Best of luck for the rest of the season. Thanks for having me. Love catching up with DT. He's just uh, – I had so many more questions I could ask him about Peyton Manning and his time at Denver, but, you know, he obviously – it's a a game week. They've got to go to practice, but I love finding out more about just his attitude, what he thinks about the locker room. He's been on a Super Bowl-winning team. He's been to two Super Bowls, so he's sort of – has a different perspective on what it takes to get to that level. And I, I really like what he's foreshadowing as far as what he sees in this locker room, you know, whether it's this year, next year, and the years to come, I, he really likes the group of guys that are in there. And I can see why he has fit in so well. Uh, you know, you see him out at practice, him and Hob, him and Watson. And, and it seems like he's been here this whole time. It's hard to believe that he really came here midseason the way that he did. All right, let's get into our enemy sidelines. We used to call it the enemies behind enemy sidelines. The Indianapolis Colts, they were on a five-game win streak. It got snapped by Jacksonville when they were shut out. We dug a little deeper into what's going on with the Colts since we first played them in week four because a lot's changed for both of these teams. And uh, right now with more, Caroline Can, team reporter with the Indianapolis Colts. I want to talk to you about Sunday's game because I know the Texans were here playing and we were watching that Colts-Jags game with a lot of interest. And I think to everyone's surprise, that 6 to nothing outcome with the Jags breaking their losing streak and the Colts breaking their win streak, what was sort of the mood uh, in the locker room after the game and the next day? You know, I, I would imagine it's a, a huge shock to the team as well. It was. It was almost one of those games where even, you know, us on the sidelines, I was there for the radio broadcast, and I was like, well, we'll get there. I mean, they only have six points. You know, our, Andrew will surely find the end zone with his offense. I mean, that was really the mood after the game as well. It was frustration. The team was very, very frustrated that they couldn't quite – uh, get on top of the game, even it, you know, with it coming down to the play that it did at the end. Really, you know, I asked the question: How do you handle a call like that that you didn't necessarily agree with? And that was, you know, it ended up being the deciding factor. And really, the mood was: We never should have put ourselves in that situation in the first place. Um, so it was very much frustrated. Even Eric Ebron saying, "These are the types of losses that really motivate you to make sure that you don't put yourself back in that situation." to where it has to come down to a play like that and really into the ref's hands and into the Jaguars' hands. All right, so the Colts are now sitting at 6-6. Six and six. Uh, They still have a shot to make the postseason, although the loss against the Jags makes it a lot tougher. What's the buzz in the building now heading into Sunday's game at Houston? It really has been every single week just to finish the week 1-0. and oh. And it gets very redundant, and you're thinking, oh, come on, like that's such a cliche, we want more than that. But it really has been that. Um, for weeks, it's been that when this team was a one and five team, it was okay. Every week is now a playoff week because, you know, if you get another loss here or there, you're going to end up in a position where you don't make the playoffs. So they're very aware. The locker room coaches and players are very aware of the playoff picture, but the mindset hasn't changed from week to week. It's let's finish this week one and zero, and then we'll worry about next week. Yeah, a lot of similarities with these two teams. Uh, Andrew Luck, he's just been so impressive, especially over that five game win streak. Although. Even against the, the Texans early on throughout the losing, he put up 400, over 400 yards and four touchdowns. How much has that offensive line getting healthy really been a factor for him to keep the sack toll down, keep his numbers up, and then obviously have that translate into wins? 
Yeah, the offensive line has been a, a position that I think everyone in the NFL has been surprised at the turnaround of the Colts' offensive line. And really it was that week five, week six, we saw a little bit in the New England game and then against the New York Jets, you really started to see that offensive line click. That's also when the run game started to work. And then, you know, Andrew has all of those options, of course, when you can get the run game going. That puts defenses, they have to hold a little bit. So that was really when it started to click for the Colts. That's also when the win streak began for the Colts. So for Andrew to have the time that he has in the pocket is definitely a luxury. And especially when you have a quarterback like Andrew Luck, it becomes a luxury for the Colts and for Colts fans. Um, but really this entire offense from the very beginning was going to be a very quick pass, get it out of the quarterback's hands type of offense. And you're just seeing all of those things start to click for the offense. Of course, against the Jaguars, they brought the rush and then they have the talent, you know, the DBs to be able to uh, maybe not open up as many options for Andrew. So there was definitely uh, a, a very tough test for the offense, and you saw that in being shut out. But it has been great to see what Andrew Luck is capable of when, number one, he's healthy, and number two, he has the protection that he needs. Yeah, with O-line healthy, obviously Andrew Luck doing nice things. But the run game's been a little bit up and down, only 41 net yards rushing in that loss against the Jaguars. Why is it a little bit tougher for them to get those ground yards week after week on, on a consistent basis? Yeah, it kind of has been the tale of if this team will win or if they will lose. Um, and I think what it really plays into is it is a young group of running backs. You have Marlon Mack in his second year, and then you have two rookies. And I think as this team is continuing to learn their identity, try and get that run game going, um, it's definitely, you know, you can kind of tell at halftime. That's the stat line that I'm looking at because in the six wins this season, the Colts are averaging 30 over 30 rushing um, attempts. And in the six losses, that number is only 18. So you're, you definitely see where if the Colts can get that run game going, you know, if Marlon Mack, uh, he has grown so much in, in his second year, but if he can kind of find those lanes and get that momentum going when you have a young group, um, you know, think of anyone when you're young in your career, and you get a little bit of momentum going, then it's kind of easy to keep that up. So yeah, I just think it's maybe the youth that's in that room, but it's definitely something that this team, they never, you know, go to abandon the run game. They're always trying to push that run game because it does have such a difference. Obviously, when Andrew Luck's not able to to pass the ball off uh, on the run, he's throwing the ball a lot more, and we saw that in Sunday's loss. He threw the ball 52 times. Now, while he looks <laughs> healthy, how much of a concern is that for his shoulder moving forward, the fact that he is throwing the ball so many times in a game? It's not. Uh, to be honest with you, earlier in this season, I mean, he, he threw record amounts <laughs> over the course. Of, I, it was really that Thursday night game. He ended up throwing 121 times in four days. And no one blinked an eye. He, he moved on. He said, this is football. That's what I'm asked to do. And this is what he was talking about earlier in training camp and you know, coming into the preseason was, I'm not going to skip a step. Because if you skip a step here, it's going to catch up with you down the road. And he was very, very meticulous and methodical about making sure that he checked all of the boxes. And all the boxes have been checked. We've, we've passed that. We're, we're further along there where no one's asking Andrew Luck about his shoulder. And they shouldn't be because it, it is where he is. You know, we're into week 13 now, and there hasn't been any kind of hiccup where he's had to take time off. Um, with that shoulder, he got stronger. He's getting stronger. That's one thing Frank Reich said is he's getting stronger um, in season, and that's what you want to see out of a quarterback that is being asked to throw as many times as he is. I don't think anybody in Houston wants to see Andrew Luck getting stronger. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, <laughs> tight end Eric Ebron, he's really impressed since the Colts have added him to their roster. He's got a team-high 11 receiving touchdowns. How much bigger does his role get, if that's possible, now with Jack Doyle going on IR and 
And what do you think made him so successful in that offense? Gosh, Eric Ebron, Mr. Personality is what I call him. He's just such a fun guy to have in that locker room. He's one of the emotional leaders of this team. So I think when you have Jack Doyle go down, you know, we saw this earlier in the season. Jack was out five games, and you saw that room of tight ends with Ryan Hewitt, um, Eric Swope, and Mo Cox kind of fill in for Jack Doyle. And a lot of that comes into blocking and his pass protection and in that run game. That is where Jack Doyle did a lot for this team that doesn't necessarily show up in the stat line or it's not going to make the ESPN highlight, but that's where this team, I think, this past week in Jacksonville really missed Jack Doyle. Um, with Mr. Steady Eddie, um, we, we kind of heard him say on the sideline, it, you kind of just out there, just listen to classical music, just calm, be very calm out there, be <laughs> even kill. And I think that's what this team can miss sometimes out of Jack Doyle. He's still obviously going to be around the team um, on IR. He, he was he was a, a leader for that team when he missed those five games earlier, always being in the meeting rooms. But certainly I think in pass protection um, and in the run game is really where he's going to be missed. But with Eric Ebron, I don't necessarily see his role changing too much because he's kind of the uh, the ying maybe to Jack Doyle's yang, where he's you know that big-time red zone threat. That's why he has as many touchdown receptions as he does. does. And his attempts, they're not super high. He's not getting targeted a lot during these games. But you did see him – used a little bit more to push that ball down the field with Jack Doyle being out. But I don't necessarily think that his role changes too much as far as maybe, you know, he, he might get 10 more uh, receptions in a game, but which is a lot in the stat line. But I think as far as how he is being used um, in the red zone, that certainly won't change. I think if you ask Houstonians who they fear or loathe the most, I think Andrew Luck's probably up there. And the number two is T.Y. Hilton, who's had a <laughs> lot of big games against this Texans team. How much does he relish these matchups against Houston? He's got six touchdowns this year right behind Ebron. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton is very fun to talk about with these teams that he has faced. I mean, this is seven years that he's been facing these teams twice, um, you know, every single year. So he is very familiar with everyone in the AFC South, and everyone in the AFC South is very familiar with T.Y. And I think one thing um, that he enjoys the most about these matchups is that there are guys that have been there almost as long as he has, that he's being able to go up. But it's also going up with the best against the best. Uh, the way that the Houston Texans offense is rolling right now, um, it's exciting when both offenses are on the field. So even if it's, you know, he may not be going up against Watson and then Hopkins and those guys, but he certainly wants to steal the attention um, when he is out there. So I think it really is just you know, the same as when you get to know someone and when you get into the ring with them, it gets a little bit more competitive. And that's just the feeling that I get from T.Y. is he enjoys the relationships that he gets to make because of this game. Um, and so when you get to go up against someone that you consider a friend or consider someone that you get to see twice a year um, in season, he just gets excited about that matchup to be able to show what he can do versus their strength. I want to talk to you about this Colts defense because I read a stat that I thought was a bit staggering. The Colts are the only team in the NFL to force uh, a turnover in every yeah. single game. What do you think it is that, that makes that defense so successful? I know it's an area that they really struggled in it in previous years. Yeah, actually, Anthony Walker, our linebacker, was talking about this um, earlier this week. He just said that they have been working on punching the ball out at practice starting in the offseason. It was just something that they constantly do. And, you know, we watched it during training camp. And to be honest with you, I, I, if I was on the offense and I was one of those running backs over here, I'd start swatting at them. Like, go, you know, go away. Because it was, they were very 
just all swarming, coming after the ball, punching the ball out. The whistle had you know blown in training camp, and you've got a couple of DBs and a linebacker punching the ball out. So I think it's just, you know, it may look like fun in games when you're out there at training camp and guys are laughing, but you're starting to see that translate because it's been pushed inside of their head of turnover, turnover, turnover. And they now get to say that, yeah, we've done that in every single game. I think where the Colts uh, are try to capitalize on that is in turning those turnovers into points. Um, because that, that's one area that the Colts, they start to capitalize on some of those turnovers during that win streak. Um, but in the games that they've lost, that's really a big area that you see the Colts not being able to capitalize on those turnovers. And at the end of the day, the defense wants to go in there and be able to celebrate that turnover with a win. All right, Caroline, a lot on the line for both these teams heading into week 14. What are some of the storylines you're covering in that Colts locker room this week? You know, we're still looking at injuries. Ryan Kelly, the starting center, has missed these past two weeks, and Evan Bame has filled in for him uh, wonderfully. But he actually, Evan Bame, came out of the game in Jacksonville. He did return to the game, but he, he was out for a couple of series. Um, so we even had a third-string center in there when, you know, we talked about the offensive line earlier. When they're starting to roll and they're starting to mesh the way that they do, you hate to see your center go down and not be there. So that's one injury that everyone is keeping an eye on to see if Ryan Kelly will be able to return this week. Um, and then it's really just about how is this team going to respond? Because this Colts team, they are young and they have the veteran pieces, but how do you respond when everything was going really good for five weeks there? Um, and then all of a sudden you go up and you haven't been able to score against the Jaguars in six quarters now. Um, and so that one stings. You know, you, you hang 29 points on them the first time that you play. But that was in the first half of that game. So the Colts had a kind of a big pill to swallow to realize the reality of, of what this loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars did. Uh, but now it's how are we going to respond? And these next you know four weeks are very important if the Colts want to make the playoffs. Of course, you guys there in Houston, uh, you, you have you know, put yourselves in a great position to be at the top of the AFC South. But the Colts, you mentioned earlier, they're in a fight for a wild card spot. So those are really kind of the storylines that we're following here of you know, who's going to be available injury-wise, the big one there with Ryan Kelly. And then how does this team respond when you have a lot of emotional leaders, but it's still a young team to be able to turn around and try and get another win? All right, good stuff, Caroline. And we'll all be watching that Thursday night game between the Titans and the Jags with, with a, a lot of interest as far as both these teams are concerned. All right, good stuff. Caroline Can, she's a team reporter with Indianapolis Colts. Caroline, we'll see you here on Sunday. Great. Thank you so much. Good stuff from Caroline. A little bit alarming that she said Andrew Luck is looking better and better every week, but after throwing 52 times last week, I just I, I, I marvel at how everybody in the offseason thought that he wasn't going to be back because he, his arm and his shoulder look as good as new, but uh, that's Andrew Luck for you. And whenever he's in the game, it's a tough division, so looking forward to Sunday's matchup against the Colts, and hopefully the Texans can make it 10 in a row, longest streak in franchise history. They haven't won 10 since 2012, so it'd be Bill O'Brien's most wins in his coaching career here with the Texans. It'd be mine as well because I really just joined this Houston Texans digital team in 2013, so a lot of excitement, a lot to look forward to for the rest of the year, and hey, a lot to look forward to with these podcasts because we're going to keep them coming. They'll come for the rest of the year, and we'll have them going in the offseason as well. So if you get a chance, iTunes, tune in or Stitcher, leave a review. Let me know what you think. And that's going to do it for us today. So thanks, as always, for listening. Go to HoustonTexans.com. Check out all the top stories. You can check out video of that Demarius Thomas interview. That's up as well. That's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Texans.